0: Welcome to Sustainability Podcast. Our podcast brings you interviews with innovative pioneers, change makers, young leaders, social workers, academicians, and industry thought leaders related to the field of sustainable supply chain. Our goal is to provide sustainability professionals, young managers, academicians, and anyone who is eager to make a sustainable impact. And I'm your host, Vishali Beth. Hi and welcome to our show. Today we have with us Frank Sabert. He is Head of Sustainable Business at BNP Paribas, Germany. In this role, Frank raises awareness among BNP Paribas corporate and private client franchises of the rapid developments within sustainable banking and capital markets and their relevance for the real economy. He is also a member of the Advisory Council for Sustainable Finance of the German Federal Government, advising as part of the Working Group on Financial Market Stability and Risk Management. BNP Paribas is a leading bank in Europe with an international reach. It has a presence in 72 countries. The BNP Paribas Group has been active in Germany since 1947 private customers, companies, and institutions are looked after by roughly 5,000 employees in all relevant economic regions all over the country. So let's welcome Frank to our show. Hi, Frank. Welcome to Sustainability in Supply Chain podcast.
1: Good morning, Michelle.
0: So corporates are increasingly focused on CSR and sustainable growth objectives, and treasurers are discovering how supply chain financing can support this. What is the role BNP is playing in supporting sustainability for business?
1: Sustainability is a strategic driver for the BNP Paribas Group. This is based on our conviction that we have an important role to play in the transition of our economies by helping our clients to make their businesses more sustainable. We call this positive banking. And as BNP Paribas Group been active in 72 countries, we have the human, technology and financial resources to push boundaries. On this basis, we have decided to strengthen our commitment to society, notably in line with the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. This means that we work intensively with a lot of clients to identify their individual potential, to change their business models, to make them future-proof. This involves a lot of financial instruments and solutions that we, as BNP Paribas, offer to our clients. To name just a few, think of green sustainable bonds sustainability-linked loans, but also green buildings and clean mobility solutions. And also, of course, sustainable supply chain solutions. If you look at the structure of the German economy, this is especially relevant given the diversified supply chain and high level of globalization of the German manufacturing sectors. In a nutshell, we see ourselves as a trusted advisor to our clients, and enabler to help our clients to transform their business models in a sustainable way. And certainly COP21 2015 Paris Climate Agreement and the 17 SDGs has given us a clear pathway to drive our businesses and change the way we create products but also how we manage risk.
0: Interesting. So we have touched on sustainable supply chain finance. Can you give our listeners an overview what BNP Paribas solution is doing?
1: We have set up a series of solutions to accompany our clients drive towards more sustainable supply chain. Under the sustainable supply chain program A buyer teams up with the financial institutions like BNP Paribas to offer its suppliers an efficient source of funding by allowing suppliers to sell the receivables approved by the buyer to the financial partner at an attractive discount rate. This discount rate not only depends on the credit profile of the buyer, like it was previously, but also will vary depending on the supplier's CSR rating. So the better the CSR rating, the cheaper the discount rate will be. Mm And this CSR rating will be attributed by the buyer to its supplier base following an audit process. And this process will be repeated on a regular basis, semi-annually or annually, to monitor and drive processes on the supply sides towards a more sustainable business model. To give you an example, if the CSR rating evolves in the right direction, the cost of financing will decrease or, and that's important, worth wiser. So the supplier is incentivized to improve its CSR standards. The CSR rating is allocated based on a series of criteria defined by the buyer, including for example energy efficiency, but also working conditions and environmental impact. The methodology to define the rating can involve on-site visits at production sites, normally with external independent auditing firms, validation by supranational lenders like IFC, World Bank, or in cooperation with external rating agencies. Such structures can be replicated in a number of industries, and BNP Paribas has installed a number of such transactions over the past years and continues to offer its expertise to its client.
0: And what are the benefits about the sustainability in supply chain for buyers and suppliers?
1: Well, there are indeed a number of benefits for both sides. On the buyer side, sustainable supply chain finance structures improve the efficiency of the supply chain and contribute positively to the company's business environment and financial situation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: There are a couple of clearly identifiable points. Intensification of a relationship with the supply base, given the discussion about sustainability has reached uh, every layer. Pushing the supplier base to strive for a more sustainable business model and securing access to more strategic procurement goods. This is also in line with the acknowledgement that climate change will have an impact across the world it will support the suppliers by giving them access to additional financing capacity at interesting terms cost efficiency um, pushing to a more efficient consumption of resources energy water to name a few will drive operating costs down in an environment where we have to accept, accept that resources natural resources become more and more precious improved reputation sustainability aspects are now key aspects how clients, consumers or businesses, investors, and but also notably employees, look at the company and its products. And finally, working capital improvement and acceleration of cash conversion, thanks to extended payment terms to suppliers. Therefore, freeing up financing capacities linked to the production process for other needs.
0: So do you see a great impact of sustainability in supply chain financing?
1: We believe yes. However, we must acknowledge that so far, there is room for improvement in really linking both the supply side and the financing. But given the um, discussion on EU taxonomy, taking European as a, Europe as an example, and more notably the potential uh, decision of the German government on uh, any kind of uh, Klimaschutzgesetz, um, we believe that the awareness and I think the need to combine both financing and supply chain will increase.
0: What advice would you offer to companies looking to gain support for supply chain
1: finance corporate treasury has an opportunity to play an increasingly vital role in promoting a responsible supply chain employing sustainable financing pl- solutions at the treasury level can be an effective means of encouraging and rewarding improvement environmental safety and labor practice from its suppliers banks providing supply chain finance has already proven to be an effective means for buyers to optimize their working capital requirements allowing suppliers to leverage the buyer's credit rating to monetize receivables. In this way, suppliers get their hands on faster cash, a buyer's benefit by enjoying a longer credit terms than supply. Taking a step further, without undermining a benefit from traditional program, treasuries can use innovative supply chain finance approaches to encourage suppliers to adhere to their corporate supplier's code of conduct. In a traditional supplier finance program, all suppliers have their invoices purchased by the discounting bank at the same discounting rate, based on the buyer's credit rating. In case of sustainable finance program, the discounting rate is essentially using a sliding grid, which creates a correlation between each supplier's compliance with a set of CSR standards and the discounting rate. To that end, a scorecard can be used to attribute CSR rating to each supplier. Mm -hmm. To those who receive a good rating can subsequently be rewarded by better rates, providing a discounting rate. In practice, the rate corresponding to the median CSR rating would typically be the rate of traditional program. The best rated suppliers will benefit from a lower discount rate which reward measured in basis points while the supplier with a below average rating would pay a higher discount rate to participate in the program. While this provides incentives to those suppliers with the highest rating, it so, it so does without dis- discarding other suppliers who are wanting to participate.
0: What are the main commitments of BNP Paribas in terms of sustainable financing?
1: Again, sustainable finance is a key strategic and operational pillar for BNP, Paribas in Germany, globally and across all business lines. Our key commitments are we, contribute to the, we have committed to contribute to the two-degree scenario under the COP21 agreement. We have also committed to significantly increase our funding sources for renewable energy, mm-hmm. while at the same time reducing our global balance sheet. So it's a double commitment We also, in line with that commitment, um, have committed in the corporate sphere to have at least 15% of our corporate loans adhering to a minimum of one SDG, Mm -hmm. which is uh, um, monitored by an external rating agency, because we believe that having roughly two trillion of of assets, having 15% and more, will make a difference in, in the world of financing. We also have, and that's mentioning, it's also worth to be mentioned, we have a clear path towards integrating ESG risk elements into our credit assessments. And we have empowered risk to be a second line of defense of monitoring how we're basically doing on the corporate origination side. So we really have it embedded, not just at the front office, but also the risk there. We also have committed to be carbon neutral by the end of 2017 which means that, obviously, we are trying to reduce our carbon footprint, but we're also actively using offset certificates and, and markets, creating markets on the offset offset um, certificate side. And finally, to make, and that's a discussion which is currently uh, in, in the German public as well, BNP has already, by the end of 2017, established a shadow carbon price mm-hmm. in order for us to measure how we but also how our clients are basically being impacted should there be a more globalized uh, carbon price be attached to.
0: And now this brings me to my next question, the sustainability linked loan. It is another product making rapid inroads into the sustainable finance landscape. What are the prospects you see?
1: Well, The concept of a sustainability-linked loan, interestingly, steams from the supply chain. There was a first program in 2016 with Puma, which you might have heard of, which I think for the first time visibly to us and the market linked positive performance to the discount rate, as I explained before. From that one, banks have developed the idea of a sustainably-linked loan, which is interesting because it is the banks who are basically giving up a percentage of their interest margin in order to encourage corporates to basically link to ESG or SDG compliance. So that's quite of an interesting, man, because it's a voluntary offer of margin Mm -hmm. from the banks. The product itself has seized an eightfold increase from 2016 to 2018, up to 42 billion, which is small in total amount, but it's the best, um, I think, gross rate. The largest volume are in EMIR, with the United States and APAC only picking up very recently. The majority of large uh, transactions are in f- syndicated transactions are in form of um, revolving credit facilities, mm-hmm. which underlines the fact that basically corporates are using this partly to basically for their own funding, but also partly to back up capital market instruments, which is quite important as well, because it links capital markets and credit markets uh, for the first time. We see a number of growing um, sustainable linked transactions this year and a robust pipeline and a growing interest, also because Looking now at Germany again, clearly the discussion since May, um, there was elections for the European Parliament and also the ongoing debate on the Klimaschutzgesetz are clearly highlighting that element of uh, interest. And what um, also has been very important to push the, um, the distribution of the product is that the Loan Market Association, LME, in London has issued a sustainable linked loan principles in March 2019, mm-hmm. which again provided more certainty, more, I think, distributable knowledge um, to the market. And we see that's also relevant that a sustainability-linked loan can be used by a large spectrum of sectors mm-hmm. and activities which are all eligible to a linked loan.
0: And what factors are supporting the growth of sustainability-linked loans?
1: Well, as mentioned before, Clearly, um, a more generalized documentation like the LMA standards have helped a lot. Um, For companies, it also provides the opportunity um, to basically put their own strategy and their commitments, not only in the capital market, but Mm -hmm. also in the credit market. And then reminding us that Clearly, capital markets are developed in Europe, but clearly bank lending still has a high level, high level of, of, of lending and, and companies are depending on banks also for funding more than, for example, in the United States. Mm-hmm. A loan product, which is linking ESG, CSR, sustainability, yes. makes a lot of sense in order to develop also the awareness from the lender's perspective mm-hmm. of where does a company stand. What we see mostly is that um, companies are linking it to their own ESG rating, Mm -hmm. which again is very highlighted by the fact that um, more and more the market accept that credit risk rating and ESG ratings are being being linked together. Mm -hmm. Notably, um, the rating agencies, uh, Moody's and S&P, bought certain um, specialized ESG rating companies. In the way, we see this as a trend of aligning ESG risk ratings so non-financial ratings and financial ratings into one.
0: Do you see this as the future of finance? Yes. So how might it be possible to attract capital to sustainable projects?
1: Well, clearly one thing which we see across all discussions with sustainability is greater transparency. It is basically uh, possible to attract funding there if there's a clear process of uh, use of proceeds Mm -hmm. and alignment to the SDGs. Funding green, but more and more also social projects with a demonstrable impact to society. Is clearly a big driver mm-hmm. and we see this notably from the asset management side which clearly doesn't ask anymore for green but they ask for impact mm-hmm. and assessment which is very important tighter government regulation mm-hmm. um, for non-sustainable practice and regulatory incentives to allocate capital to sustainable projects is clearly welcome mm-hmm. there's a big debate on about the green supporting factor brown penalizing factor which yes. is still yeah. ongoing mm-hmm. but what we see and while it's not being really resolved we see that notably central banks, are more and more looking at how basically the financial stability could be impacted if there would be disruption from basically the risk side um, in climate change. More transparent reporting on climate impacts on projects is required in order to attract funding. And we see that the TCFD notably and the EU taxonomy are both basically incentive and and regulatory um, requirements which are driving towards greater transparency in order to make to basically um, allocate funding there. And notably also, it shouldn't be just for the communication side. We we see that the demonstration of a real engagement with the stakeholders and a positive financial and reputational risk mitigation mm-hmm. is more and more a driver to allocate funds to this.
0: And do you see the changes in the government regulation asking for more sustainable uh, linked projects?
1: Well, clearly, the EU taxonomy, which has just been closed on Monday, uh, 16th of September, and um, is the right way, it's, it's clearly still under debate of how it will drive uh, capital allocation. Yes, we are clearly watching very carefully of what the Klimaschutzgesetz will be coming out. Yeah. But given the debate we have been following, um, I'm very confident that the government also in Germany will take steps which are more towards enlarging. Um, the sector approach which i think is needed in order to really not just focus on energy but also including other sectors
0: and what's your perspective do you also see this growing in the asian countries
1: well we see um, as i said a growing interest in, in asia and i think came coming back to our initial discussion on supply chain and given the globalization i see no way that asia will not follow up on on the Okay.
0: and Coming to the difficulties, what do you think banks are confronted with when trying to advance in these areas?
1: Well, as I said before, transparency and disclosure is required. This comes with a cost, not just cost in financial terms, but Mm -hmm. cost in organization. Mm -hmm. In an environment which is very low interest rates, clearly cost benefit ratios are always discussed at a corporate level. And this is clearly not necessarily helping. That money is extremely cheap and available. Yeah. Um, so clearly, it takes engagement and commitment to do this. We also see complexity, and that's one of the discussion we have with the EU taxonomy, is that clearly the regulators are trying to use the financial industry also to kind of drive certain rules and and uh, results. It's clearly also stipulated in Article Two Point One in the COP Twenty One. And for us as a financial service provider, regulation means also cost on our side. So clearly, uh, there's a cost benefit or, or assessment to be done on our side as well. And it's complexity um, because to define what is green and not green or what is sustainable and not sustainable it's is a still. a big question. It's a big question, yeah. unresolved, yeah. I would say. Yeah. There are good signs and good movements, and the EU taxonomy okay. is helping, but it's clearly not finished.
0: Coming to the next question, what is your vision for sustainable finance in the next five years for BNP?
1: We believe that sustainable finance will be the new norm in five years, maybe 10 years, depends a little bit on the regulators. What is maybe interesting to look back quickly before we go to the next five years, we've seen a revolution in sustainable finance. The first revolution was the labeling the use of proceeds. I think that was mm-hmm. the first part to identify how do we use the money there. The second revolution in sustainable finance was linking returns with sustainable performance and impact, which notably I mentioned the sustainability in loans, mm. is that banks are willing to provide a certain incentive to its borrowers if and when their sustainability performance moves up. Why is that? It's in part also a hedge to future regulation, because the more our portfolio will be sustainable mm-hmm. in our lending, the more we hedged against future regulation as a financial institution. And BNP is one of the drivers in sustainable linked loan, not basically on, on regulation push, but also in in conviction, as I mentioned before. What we see now happening, and it's very recently, um, and I think will drive for the next five years, is the third um, revolution, sustainable finance, which is basically link cost of risk and funding with sustainability, performance, and impact. And this is again interesting because this has now been visible no more on the on the capital market side, and we see this driven by two things. I mentioned already the um, greater, uh, I think, awareness about climate change and its impact, mm. but also credit rating agencies, as I mentioned, have started linking ESG risk rating and their credit rating, given that financial markets are normally looking at credit ratings from from basically reputable credit agencies. We see that now this ESG raised rating comes more into place. And there was a recent transaction only last week, which BNP was um, driving in from Enel, which for the first time, um, Enel has been raising funds from the capital market for general corporate purposes. However, it's the first SDG-linked bond, where the coupon is indexed to the sustainability target Which will be assessed halfway through the lifetime of security which is five years Mm -hmm. if the stated objective is not achieved by then Mm -hmm. the bond coupon will step up at 25 basis points which is very rarely seen in the bond market yeah that basically a borrower would basically willing to have its rating or its its funding cost being made um, linked to a performance on esg ESG or sdgs and 25 basis points in current markets is quite a commitment yes in this part it's enel from italy it's linked to basically their commitment to increase their share of renewable energy in the total part of energy which again is helping the carbon the climate risk mitigation and protection in line with the taxonomy so we believe that this kind of idea linking basically to negative performance and having a rating upgrade is the right way associating cost of risk with basically the performance and which we believe will be the driver for the next years to come.
0: Great. And now the last thoughts before we wrap our episode. How sustainability could become the new normal in finance with your perspective and experience?
1: As you know, BNP is also very active on the asset management side. We're conducting regular interviews with our um, asset management Mm -hmm. clients. And we clearly see that there's a big concern from their part Mm -hmm. of um, making, making their portfolios waterproof and future proof, taking into account the last IPPC assessment on, on climate change, clearly a two degree scenario becomes more and more relevant for those investors if they want to basically ensure that they don't have a deterioration in the credit policies, stranded assets. So all this basically is very much a concern. What we believe in future is that this will require because the future is uncertain. So what we see more and more science based scenarios be required to assess whether clients will basically adhere to the climate targets set by the governments, regulators, or stakeholders. We believe that scenarios will be the relevant part in order to ensure that all different parts are taken to where. This requires climate scenarios, economic scenarios, policy scenarios, and then finally financial impact scenarios, which will close the loop to what I mentioned before, that We see that basically risk and returns, taking ESG and SDG's commitments into account will play a major role going forward.
0: Frank, thanks so much for hosting me at BNP office and sharing your views and insight with our listeners.
1: Thank you very much, Vishali.
0: That's it from this episode from Sustainability. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, ideas, questions or any suggestions for our next guest, please email them to us. If you like our episode, we will be happy to see you subscribe, rate and review our podcast. Till then, happy sustainability.